Hey, everyone. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife. I am Dave, the host of the show. If you've been listening this month, as the episodes come out in September of 2023, you know that I am not doing the normal interviews this month. I am releasing different experiments that I want to release in the lead-up to my new one-man show, Here to Make Friends, which is playing September 28th, 29th, 30th, and October 1st at the Neo-Futurist Theater in Chicago. It is my dream theater. The Neo-Futurists themselves are my favorite form of entertainment on the planet, and the shows are 20 bucks. The first one on Thursday is a pay-what-you-can. The Sunday is a 2 p.m. matinee show. So I'm hoping between all of those configurations, people will be able to see the show. And if there's any issue you have, please email me at thisisdavemar at gmail.com. I would love to make sure you can see it if you're able. Also, masks at KN95 or above level are going to be required and provided if you need one. So really trying to do that. There's a couple of other accessibility measures, especially COVID-related, that I'm looking to put in place. I can't meet every accessibility need. I wish I could, but I'm doing what I can, and we got to start somewhere. But what you're about to hear, so the show, Here to Make Friends, a reference to the common reality TV show phrase, I'm not here to make friends, is in part about Survivor, It's in part about COVID. It's in part about people and society and what we owe to each other. And it very much follows a conversation format, uh, at least in part. So if you like This Is Your Afterlife and you are able to get to Chicago during those dates, I think you will really like Here to Make Friends. One thing I want you to know is you do not need to know anything about the show Survivor to enjoy the show. And even though that is true, what you're about to hear is one of the episodes, there are five, of an aborted podcast that, that was conceived. We, we came up with several iterations of it uh, and finally recorded these five episodes and, and ditched it of a podcast called It's a Fucking Stick. You will, you're going to hear that now. It is co-hosted by myself and Ariel Elias. Ariel is a former guest of This Is Your Afterlife, multiple-time guest of This Is Your Afterlife, a good friend of mine. And it just, uh, through no lack of desire on our part, uh, we weren't able to keep doing the show. But I thought this five-episode little mini-series would be a good way, if you want to brush up any, brush up on any Survivor, uh, or, or learn anything about it. And really, it's not just like, we're not recapping the show. We're just talking about what it means to us. So if you want to listen to that in preparation for the show, please enjoy it. This is an episode of the show, which I will not number because this is going to be the same intro for every episode, but know that there are five. There is a link to buy tickets to Here to Make Friends in the show notes. And even if you aren't able to go to Here to Make Friends, even if you don't care about Survivor, 
I think you will still like this. Genuinely. I think it is that good. This, it's a fucking stick show. It was just, it's just a good time between two friends who really like each other. So I hope you enjoy it. Come see my show if you can. Keep listening to the podcast and we'll be back in regular show mode in October. And I will talk to you again soon. It's a fucking stick. The podcast where uh, we, two comedians, talk about why Survivor is the greatest show in the world. It's perfect. That's right. I'm Dave Marr, and that's Ariel Elias, and we are. Uh, yeah, we're we're not recapping. We're just taking specific Survivor moments and we're exploring them and blowing them out. See how they apply to our lives. Mate, hey. And maybe, <laughs> maybe they apply life, to yours. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe, maybe the maybe life itself, you know. Maybe, but uh, maybe we all have more in common than we ever realized. My yeah, just popped out. <laughs> okay, nice. <laughs> Doing great. Exactly. See, Off to a good start. it's not. We're not perfect here, folks. I know it sounds like it, but uh, we're deeply flawed human beings, just like the survivor player we are going to talk a lot about in this episode which is a pretty fucking good segue, if I may say so on my part. And Arielle would be saying that too if she weren't still fucking with her headphones. Both my headphones but, popped out. <laughs> yeah. But um, I should say before we get started, as always, no uh, – as, as with all the jobs I'm applying for right now, no experience necessary with Survivor. Um, just, you know, sit back and enjoy and there will be spoilers yeah always always but did you have spoilers when you watched the show i mean i knew who won season one because Mm -hmm. everybody did that was a huge pop culture moment but otherwise no i didn't because one of my first two seasons was heroes and villains so i saw Many uh, winners of the show and many people who, by returning and saying they didn't win the show, you know that they right. weren't winners of their seasons. And it mostly didn't affect my enjoyment. Like yeah. the path to watching people win was just as satisfying as like finding out who exactly won. Yeah, or how. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, I'm a little out of it. I'm in, I, to be honest, I'm in, I'm in a little bit of a depression hole. Um but I'm coming out of it. Um, why did you, you start? You don't have with- to come out of it. Well, thanks. I do. That's okay. It's important. But how did? Why did you start with Heroes and Villains? Because uh, I I started with the Netflix seasons. Ah. They had they added Kagayan and Heroes and Villains, and I think I watched them in that order. Got it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so today we're talking about Shane Powers, which That's by right. the way, amazing name. Yeah, it really is. It made sense that when he's a radio personality, I found out now. And uh, great fucking radio host name. Yeah, it's a good, it's just like, it sounds like the name that you would make up for like the villain in a novel that's like meant to be read on the beach. Mm, yeah, yeah, Jane yeah, Powers. yeah. 
maybe like a sexy villain. Maybe there, maybe he's like a love interest at, at certain points as well. Ooh, but he's like manipulating her. He's not actually. I've also been watching a lot of F Boy Island, which might be part of the depression spiral. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I do think they're intertwined. Um, but everybody to me is like a villain on a beach who's in it for the money. Okay, that sounds good. I'm I'm picturing more of like a Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay. Shane Powers feels like he works at the same firm as Christian Grey. Maybe he's doing some, he's, he's, there's some very dominant power play sex happening, but then ultimately he betrays and, and, and succumbs to the darkness. I like yours better. That's a beautiful yeah. picture. I love that. So <laughs> okay. Much. So this is season 12, episode 12, which is titled Perilous Scramble. Which really has nothing to do with the episode, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, kind of. I mean, every episode of Survivor is perilous scramble. Yeah, that's By the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so this was, they're in Panama, right? And this season was called Exile Island. Yeah, was this the first time that they did Exile Island? I mean, it must be. It It would be insane for them to call... Like the third time they did Exile Island. Exile <laughs> Island. Island. Well, because I watched, yeah. I watched this episode and then I went back and watched the first episode of this season. Oh, okay. Okay. And I think based on the way that Jeff lays out the rules of Exile Island, I think I think it is the first time that they used it. Okay. Yeah, it's got to be. One other fun fact. Uh, my partner, Hope, teaches yoga. Part of her... Wait, no, it was like, man, this is going to make her sound very woo-woo, which she she has some woo-woo qualities, but she's very, like, skeptically woo-woo. The, like, wellness industry is very, like, fucked up, and most of the media she takes in is about being skeptical of that stuff. Okay. But she did do, I think it was an herbalism class, just, like, learning about how to make tinctures and and uh infusions and stuff like that and i think one of their they had like a guest speaker from this like sustainable clothing company and it was a woman and her husband and her husband was fucking aris was it was aris or was having sex yeah with aris? No, no 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 her husband <laughs> was aris um so so she okay. after attending that little lecture she was like do you know this guy? Blah, blah, blah. And I had her, because Ars does some yoga in this episode. We watched this episode together. I was yeah. like, how's his form? She was like, it, it looks pretty good, actually. It was pretty so, impressive when I was watching, because Ars is the one who goes to exile in this episode and watching it. I was like, that's impressive. That man is limber. Yeah. I wish I could show But the like moment that. we are talking about is, I thought it happened, I thought there were two clips of this in the episode but it's literally one clip at the very beginning of the episode and it's shane talking on a piece of wood we've yet another piece of wood this is a theme between oh, our wow. first two episodes it really is um, an iconic yeah. piece of wood that could have been uh, the Survivor. other title of this podcast an iconic piece of wood <laughs> yes yes um also like the porno parody of this podcast yeah <laughs> But but it is a piece of wood that looks like a blackberry, yeah, which immediately dates surprise. this episode. We know we're in the era of blackberries. It's probably, I don't know. What, what does that feel like for you? 20, 2008, 2007? I was, was going to say 12, 13. When, when did 
I'm, I'm going to look up when did Blackberries. I remember I, I never had a Blackberry, die. but I didn't get a smartphone until pretty late, which was I got a smartphone in like 2014. Um, but I remember it being bit like co- in college. A lot of people had Blackberries and that was I feel like that was like 2008. Yeah. Um, 2002 is when they were first released. Yeah, but nobody so you're probably had a right. I think we're both kind of right. Yeah, of course. And then it died in 2022, apparently. But that's obviously way past. Famously, um, Hillary Clinton had a BlackBerry and like refused to get rid of it. Was that the butter emails that was, shit? That was part of it. Yeah. Mm, if only she had used Shane's smooth <laughs> piece of wood instead of her BlackBerry, America could be in a very different place today. So can you um, recap like how we're sort of introduced to this and and what he does on this wood and Blackberry? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he takes this. They're just standing around at one point. He, they, he takes this piece of smooth palm sized wood out of his pocket and he just starts like fiddling with it. He just starts pressing on it. It's the same way you would an iPhone. I mean, it, it looks it looks like a smartphone. It's a. At the time, Blackberries were the smartphones. So he's pressing it. And then he like wanders over somewhere and he's like making he's he's looks like he's sending emails or I think even like taking a call at one <laughs> point. And he sits over on like a rock. He's got like a little rock that looks like his little office, which I think they called his thinking stump. Yes, 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 yes. That sounds familiar. <laughs> really cute. And then you just see like confessionals with him and the other contestants. The other contestants are like, I hope Shane's okay. Uh, he has this thing that he calls his Blackberry and he just uh, sometimes will just take a break and talk to it or, send, you know, play with it. And then Shane's like, you know, in this sort of Shane, Shane is a. Quit smoking cigarettes day one of Survivor. <laughs> yeah. He had been, oh, didn't just quit smoking cigarettes. He had been smoking three packs a day. Right, right, right. I thought it was something insane like that, but I didn't want to like misattribute. <laughs> so much nicotine coursing yes. through your veins. And day one, he, he like has to tell himself like not to snap at everybody. And he fails miserably. Every day. I mean, he's <laughs> it, like, I don't want to like paint too rosy a picture, I just want to paint a complicated picture because Shane's definitely verbally abusive to people, incredibly abusive, angry. Uh, I, I'm trying to, I don't, it's been a while since I've seen this season, but I am sure there are moments of misogyny in there. Uh, reading his like entertainment weekly pandemic questionnaire. He's at that point in probably 2020, 2021, he'd been sober for about eight years. Uh-huh. So he was so so one of the reasons this rang true for me was because this is like my fear of who I was pre sobriety. Mm. And and this Shane is like who I feel like I am suppressing constantly, like when I'm bored, when I'm annoyed, when when for any reason, uh, like I, I was I was at a wedding this past weekend and there was just some shitty cousin who was so far <laughs> away, but like, but of this, of my, my friend was the groom and it was a shitty cousin of the bride's pretty tight knit extended family. So like my buddy can't say anything, but this guy is just like 
you know, one-on-one just telling full-on rape jokes, Uh no punchline, no punchline rape jokes, you know? And, uh, and I really just wanted to look at him and say, Hey, you shouldn't tell jokes. You shouldn't tell those jokes anymore. You know, like that kind of thing. And that, that would be like actually an appropriate and like relatively tactful way to say it instead of just be like, being like, instead of becoming an asshole by overreacting, like I could have made a scene, I could have screamed at this guy, but then no one knows what the fucking impulse or or impetus was. And uh, I, I become the asshole in that situation. Also, like, I, I think there is some unspoken rule that somehow every wedding has to have one of those guys, maybe not to that extreme, but like, I, I went to a wedding once where like the m- makeup person was like fixing my makeup and was like, it like took a, it took a minute. And one of the, uh, one of the groomsmen goes, he, and he had been like, he was just like annoying. Like he, he, he was harmless. I think like he wasn't making rape jokes, but he was right. just being fucking annoying. And he turned to the makeup artist and he goes, you missed a spot. And she, I've never seen anybody roll their eyes that hard and she was just like, she just, I mean, she turned to him, credit to her. She just goes, that was really rude. And that was Hell it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. But there's, there's just like always some dick. Somebody's cousin is a dick. I know it's, and uh, it, this was like an incredibly white guy, just a blonde white man looked like out of fucking American psycho. And yeah, but so, so anyway, so, so that's even here, here's what it is. I remember a moment pre-sobriety. I'm to be, I th- I don't know if I've said this explicitly. I am a sober guy, no drugs, no booze. Uh, and I'm as surprised as you are that this is what that looks like no, is my opening. Look, that's my no no no. That's my opening uh <laughs> when I open a set. That's the that's the first line. Um because people how, don't like how long have you been yeah. sober? Uh well I've 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 been sober in a couple of different uh fellowships as they say so you know you've got your you've got your gamblers you've got your pack what's the pack i forget what the pack rat one is called porter work workaholics anonymous maybe it's hoarders anonymous. but there's all sorts of different anonymouses and and several but the the big one is the is the booze and the drugs and that is recording this in 20 22. So uh, like seven and a half ish years, probably maybe Shane and I got sober around the same time, Oh wow! but, uh, but yeah, so I, what, what was I, what was I saying? I was saying that, Oh, a moment. So before sobriety, this is the, this is my biggest Shane moment I can think of. I had this terrible job and, uh, I was, coming home from work, the kind of job I had to take a train, no, a bus to a train Mm. to a company sponsored like transport van to get to work every day, an hour and 20 minute commute every day, but, but each way. And I come back and I am crossing the street from my bus stop to go down the alley, to go in my apartment, the back way. And uh, I don't think there, I think there was a green light. You know, I was jaywalking, right? And this car um, 
like, I don't know if it almost hit me, but it definitely like honked really loud at me. And as it like sped away, I just turned around and I, this is what is insane is I thought I looked like cool, which is, and what I did was I just like opened my mouth and just like screamed at this. I was like, what the fuck? Fuck you. Like, and I was like, People are gonna see this. I don't. I don't know what I thought. People are gonna see this righteous guy doing blah blah blah, you know, and just like unleashed, unhinged. He had driven away. No, no resolution to it. And then I just kind of have to turn around and walk down my alley and go back home. And so that is the that's the like monster that I probably wrongly feel is caged up mm. in inside me. And I can see that in Shane when he is unleashing on people. But back to his Blackberry. So he's 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 sitting on his thinking stump. He's playing with the Blackberry. And he has that sort of slightly manic, unhinged yeah. quality in his confessionals when he's like, I'm talking to people from outside the island. You know, he's like... <laughs> Like if he has something he wants to send yeah. to his business partner or his son, because he talks about, he even says, he's like, my phone son has texting capabilities, which is like such a funny detail for a, for a non-existent device that doesn't have texting capabilities. It's also like another moment that's like of the time, like mm-hmm, not all phones mm-hmm. at that time could text. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but so that's the whole moment. And obviously there's sobriety stuff, but I'm curious how this strikes you. Well, one, I do love Danielle's confessions throughout this because she's just so joyless about it all. She just like truly thinks Mm -hmm. he's... I mean, I think like something that's great about this season is everybody kind of loses their mind or is like already unhinged and teetering (laughs) on the brink, right? Like Courtney is fucking nuts. Even Bruce is like kind of off off his rocker. Um, everybody's just like a little bit crazy. I think what struck me about this moment is that like, one, I think it's there. What I love about like a nature show or a survival show is like seeing how people lose their minds a little bit, because that's how I feel just like every winter. And it's certainly how I felt during COVID when we were trapped inside and couldn't go anywhere. Um, So there was something about that moment that like that feeling of isolation, um, of not being able to go anywhere, of not being able to see your loved ones that like deeply resonated with me. But then there's also just the like addiction part of it, which not that I like, I'm certainly like not, I don't have an addictive personality. I don't really like struggle with addiction. Um, but I am somebody who like when things are going badly, like when I'm spiraling, I will like try to escape into my phone, right? Like I will try to like take a like, like step away from the world and just like lose time staring at a dumb screen, which is not fulfilling. It's not somebody, somebody like I heard somebody say something of like, when you look back on your life and like, you think about like your favorite memories, none of them will be something that you've seen on your phone. Um, Which, and like, I can tell whenever I'm out of my routine, which I am this week, that like, that's when I tend to spiral. That's when I tend to like, oh, my eyes 
hurt. And it's like, yeah, because I've been staring at a screen for four hours. And, you know, when I looked down, it was 11 a.m. And when I looked up, it was 2 p.m. And you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. So that, I mean, we're using it for very different purposes. Um, But I think, I think he's using it the same way of like, I just want to escape from this world into a different world. I agree, but I don't think his escape is pure escape because this is pre the flood of social media. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was looking at the release date of this season, which is 2006, um, because I wanted to check it against the release date of Castaway, the Tom Hanks ah. movie, because that's what this move like reminds me of is I've that kind of s- like. I've never seen Castaway. <laughs> it's a guy stranded on an I, island. Yeah. He fucking has a beach ball that becomes or volleyball right. that becomes his best friend. You, you know, yeah. but but it's the kind of move like Shane's move is a one person stranded alone on an island move. You know, he's feeling <laughs> very alone in the midst of having people around him. Mm-hmm. And that's relatable. But I think the reason that that I think it's different than what you're talking about is since this is pre like the flood of social media, he's using it. What he's imagining doing is like texting his son or like doing a business deal with his partner, which is still, you know, it's not like, well, I don't know. Maybe he did have really meaningful work, but it doesn't seem like the most meaningful thing, but it is, a connection to another person. He's not imagining himself like scrolling Twitter, (laughs) which I feel like is what would happen if in season 43, someone does something like this. Yeah, no, he's essentially using it as a journal, right? Like he doesn't have pen and paper to write down his thoughts. So he's Mm -hmm. using this block of wood to pretend like he is sending his thoughts to people. Yeah. he's And I think that's... No, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> oh, so polite. Well, it's a it's a prayer in a way. It's it's him mm. like like you know praying to his son or something to to be like you know God like we're looking up at the same moon at the same time. Uh-huh. His higher purpose thing. is his son. Yeah, and and to just yeah reach out and communicate, and his it's his way of thinking about whoever he's trying to communicate with yeah. on his wooden blackberry. I think it also speaks to this sort of like earlier time when we viewed the internet and when we viewed phones as like, oh, now we can just like keep in touch with everybody. Right. Like we had this sort mm-hmm. of um this like pure idea of what of what technology could do. It was like before we, you know, we realized like, no, these can just incite a bunch of genocides <laughs> and overturn some elections. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> But is, okay, are you a person who hates phone calls? Because that's definitely a wave now. No, I don't. I think I used to. And certainly, like, I have to be in the right mindset. Again, I think, like, a theme today for me is, like, I struggle (laughs) with depression. Um, So if I am in a spiral, I I do like avoid a phone call. Like I just can't, I just don't want to, I, and I like kind of made the mistake yesterday. I called my parents and I called my brother and like, 
it was really difficult for me to hold a conversation because I was just like, I was just like, this is so, I love them so much, but to me, everything felt so exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, not them. It was just like doing anything. Um, yeah. And I think so, because as we talked about last week, like, because I am a fierce introvert, social interactions in particular, like can be incredibly taxing for me. So if I'm already like not at my full energy level, it's really difficult but no, overall, no. I I like a phone call. Um, when my husband and I first started dating, we lived in different boroughs. So I lived, we I, we both lived in Queens, but we lived like, ba- basically, I lived in Brooklyn. And it was like mm-hmm. an hour and a half. I would have to take a bus to a bus to a train to get to him. Um, Jesus. Okay. So we talked over the phone a lot. Um, he Because he's also eight years older. Hot. And so he (laughs) would call me like he's just like from a generation where they he still calls his friends. It's really sweet. Yeah. What about you? How do you feel about a phone call? I love a phone call. And and it it actually and what is what just dawned on me is I would say top three, maybe top two most important tools actions specific actions you can take to get sober is fucking phone calls dude really the thing when you, yes you go to a meeting you get ev- they have they used to have paper phone lists and i when i say used to i mean i got sober in 2015 so this isn't like crazy long ago uh, i wonder with covid how much that's changed but they still will have digital lists somewhere and the whole thing is like inviting someone out it, you're just like especially super early in that first week that first 30 days, that first 60, 90 days, you're just like, let's occupy your time Mm -hmm. as much as possible. Do you want to go get pizza? Do you want to go to the movies? Do you want to, hey, you made it to this meeting. There's been an hour that you haven't gotten drunk. So maybe if we go for pizza, there'll be another three hours that you won't get, you know, because it's that dire. And so it's really kind of amazing to me realizing it that like, Shane, this and regardless mm. of who he is, to me, this symbol of sobriety, transformation, ugliness, you know, at the time, ugliness, um, it, it, the thing that he is holding is the is a phone, which is uh, that's just perfect. That's yeah. interesting. That's really interesting. It reminds me, too, of like when somebody when like when somebody is mourning like when some when their family member passes away how everybody Mm -hmm. sort of is like okay like what do you need like we'll just we'll just sit with you like do you want to go somewhere do you want to it's that thing of like anything to like escape to like not be stuck inside your brain yeah it's just presence i mean same with depression right if you've got someone who knows and and can really uh can really hang someone who doesn't need you to talk and is down to just wait a long time while you get your shoes on, yeah. take a walk. You don't have to say anything, you know, make it just a vigorous enough walk to wear you out a little bit in, in the right way. Um, yeah. That presence is, is super important. And, and, it, and it, so it bugs me the, the thing of people, saying no just why would you do that just text me it just feels very uh mm. it's like there's there's such a joy to a phone call and such a benefit yeah and I'll, so much gets lost in text like 
like I'll see I remember maybe I don't want to say who this was but somebody was uh when they were dating like their now wife um at first they would like he would like get into fights with her like over text it wouldn't be fights but it would just be like these yeah. conversations that he kept trying to have over text where I was like, hey, don't do this over to like this is a bad idea. There's so much communication getting lost. Like, just call each other. Yeah. Let's talk to one another. It's such a trap because I've done the thing, but I'm like, but if I say it via text, I will formulate the exact right thought the way I want it to be said. Totally. You think you have control over the situation. And like, I can't remember a single fight I've ever had where the the where any specific line i said was key to the conversation it's like it's unless it was i hear you mm. i'm sorry you know <laughs> um are you watching the rehearsal mm-hmm. i i haven't seen the newest episode but i saw the first three it's that similar idea of like, what if I can control an entire situation? What if I can, what if I can, you know, I identify every variable and see if I can plan for it. And it's like, you can't, you just can't. Yeah. And if yeah, you try totally. to, you're, you look insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it's really human to try to as well. I think it's human to want to. I don't know mm, if it's mm-hmm, human to mm-hmm. try to. That's real. That's real. I I think also I'm thinking of just the every every slice of what goes into this this Shane moment, <laughs> and I a a big part of it for me too is he, I feel like he's just bored, and yeah. this really strikes me as a thing done out of boredom and and what it really reminds me of is being at jobs where i did not tamp down my personality to a to a greater or lesser extent i have at jobs i think it happens a lot with people who have a pursuit outside of work that could foreseeably turn into a different career at some point i think unfortunately we're in this you know, system that requires people to be like, no, I want to be a sandwich maker forever, (laughs) you know, like just to get hired. But so the, the experience that I've had is being a fucking little weirdo somewhere and, and having people go, you're weird oh my god like and but that but it's like you could just say i'm funny like you're laughing like i'm like entertaining you but like this is not in a way that you're used to another another moment from the wedding my friend who got married his dad was in the room with a bunch of us uh in the wedding party like getting changed and he told his son he was like you know, being around those guys was really interesting. I, you know, I, I get together with my friends and we, and we crack jokes, but what they were doing was something different. (laughs) Like they were like, they, they all, you know, had a, had a line and then someone would say something and then someone else would like build on it and it would go in these weird places. And that's just like, 
being a comedian, you know, to having taken improv classes (laughs) or just like, but not even just improv. I mean, it works to a lesser extent, I think, with stand-ups too, like a a good stand-up who isn't just like trying to make the conversation all about them, but it's just imaginative people being imaginative and that's like what shane is doing here he's just fucking bored and he's doing something and you've got danielle going like man that's weird and that shit drives me insane yeah it's also i mean yes i think that's a great point he's bored in his normal life when he's bored what he would do is smoke a cigarette he can't do that (laughs) so it's also like you know a phone it's something that occupies his hands it occupies his fingers in the way that a cigarette would Right. Mm-hmm. It's like you're doing a motion. But yeah, I, I, it's, I, there, there are, I, I think, some other moments in other seasons where they like make up games using whatever they have on the island, whether it's like mm-hmm. I've seen like bowling. I think Australia, right. not the Australian version of Survivor, I think they, they do some games like that. Um, it's like, it's like, yeah, I, I think there's like another one where they play, they like make chess pieces or checkers pieces maybe um, and cards. So it's just like, yeah, you, you use what you have around you to entertain yourself. I, it, I think it gets lost sometimes in the way it's edited too, but like, I think they're just sitting around doing nothing for like hours and sometimes yeah. that's fine. But when you're sitting there with somebody like Courtney, you might want to, a piece of wood starts to look real attractive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is where, this is what I, this is where I fear I would fail on survivor. Like in, in terms, it it would be self-sabotage of just like getting sick of people or not wanting to pretend that I liked the most annoying person because I think they'll, I can take them to the end and win against them. It, it, it would just, it would drive me crazy to, to suppress my own impulses just to be myself. Mm. Mm. Have you had a moment since you've been sober where you felt like your inner Shane was coming out? Yes, yes, okay. for sure, for sure, unfortunately. It it goes it goes um it 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 gets less and less like the fact that I but you know what brings it out is when I think I'm right. And <laughs> and especially <laughs> and when and especially when I think I'm right in the service of someone else. Mm. So I think I'm being a hero. I'm like, this person is being shit on by this group of people. I, as a dude in this situation, or I, as a white guy in this situation, can take some blows here. And then I'll really just lean into like, you did this and this and this, or like, um, yeah, yeah, just just taking it to an exponentially higher pitch too far <laughs> because I, because I'm like, well, but this is, I'm, I'm on the right side of history with the, like, yeah. okay. An example of this is actually early in sobriety. There's other examples from more recently, but early in sobriety, I, I think we talked about this in, in episode one, but 
was in a coma for a month. Uh, and, and shortly after that was when I got sober. And part of that story was that people had eulogized me on Facebook one night when they thought I died. And so I was in this Facebook group for comedians, uh, improvisers at the time, especially. And this one guy was like, I'm having so-and-so on my podcast. Does anyone have any questions for him? And so-and-so was a teacher who had a hand in the leadership of like three of the five different theaters in the city at the time. Okay. And was kind of a creep and like known to like date students and like, but like also had the appearance of being like a nice guy. Yeah. And also was friends with a guy who my recent ex had like, well, not recent at that, like two years ago, X had um, kind of left me for, but in a really messy way. So I had interpersonal beef, but I also thought this guy was a piece of shit. Yeah. So I, and I thought he was a boring get on stage. <laughs> and just, there's so many at the time, I think even more improvisers who are just like college educated white guys who might as well be reading things off Wikipedia with sort of the right comedic timing. So an audience goes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they're trained to laugh, but it's not, but they're not feeling laughter. Yeah. And so I, so my questions, I started commented on this thread. I was like, uh, why do you want to be a comedian? What makes you think you're funny? Uh, <laughs> who do you do think you, you are? <laughs> yeah. Do you, um, do you sleep with students? Is it true that after auditions, you've taken headshots home and made fun of the auditioners with your friends, which my ex had told me about them doing? Uh... So just stuff like that. And and it was just a very intense thing. And I kind of did this like, oh, uh, you know, his friends started to chime in. And this is where I got to give it up to these two guys who – roasted me the best I've heard anyone roasted. Well, one of them was good. The, the One of the guys, the guy that my ex like left me for just said that I was a cancer to every room that I enter. And okay. then I responded. First of all, you're and a I, diabetes to every room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get the disease right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I responded now and I did the horrible move. I was like, well, actually, I have hundreds of eulogies to the contrary that prove <laughs> this is not true. And then this is where the great, the literally the greatest roast line I've heard happened. And this other guy chimed in and he said, Dave, it must kill you that you weren't alive for the two weeks people had nice things to say about you. <laughs> Which is, I mean, so much respect. Like, fuck, that's so funny. Isn't that insane? It's so good. But that's an example of now we were talking about this because because this wedding I was at recently was a bunch of people from that that world, and we were talking about how ultimately all the questions I asked were kind of right on. This yeah, guy yeah. is like, and but no one is like wow, Dave was so right at that moment. They're just like, yeah, that was kind of intense. I guess he was right, but ugh, what was that all about? It might you have know? been the wrong audience. <laughs> yeah, well, the wrong audience or just the wrong way yeah. of 
doing it. Yeah. Well, and that's like a big survivor lesson of like asking yourself, like, what do you actually want? Mm. What's the best way to get there? It's probably mm-hmm. not by being super confrontational and like threatening anybody. Not that and you having that, to, but that happens a lot. Yeah. And, and having to weigh, okay, I might want two things in this situation. If I'm being mistreated by a boss, I might want to get all my anger out and feel catharsis. Yeah. And I might also want to keep my job. If those two things are at odds, which do I prioritize more? There might be a point where you prioritize the catharsis more than keeping your job and you just see what happens. But a lot of times it is really fucking difficult to be like, okay, technically I want this job more or I need this job more. So I have to just eat shit here right now and figure out a way to, to off gas this anger in some other way like fucking typing on it to uh to a on a fake blackberry yeah it takes so much impulse control sometimes to not like lose your fucking mind at people because they deserve it right like it's like that person who you are asking those questions to is a piece of shit does deserve to be i don't know if like called out is the right way but like people mm-hmm, need to mm-hmm. know who he is and like what they're dealing with. It's so hard to be like, to stop and ask yourself, like, what's the best way I've done that before too. I had a similar thing and it wasn't even prompted. Like I really just like fucking decided to burn a bridge one day. And it, it was shortly after I moved to New York, maybe like a year after I moved here. And also like, I was pretty unhappy with like where I was in life because I was walking dogs 10 hours a day and just like exhausted. And then I would go to stupid open mics. Um, But I had found out there was, there is an improv theater, man, this is, it's actually very funny how similar these are. Um, There is an improv theater in new Orleans that now has a new name. I don't even remember what their new name is now, but um, it was a similar thing where the owner, this would come out later but the owner of the improv theater was sleeping with students. Um, his, as was his wife. Um, Yo, I know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> um, and I think it also turned out allegedly, I don't know for sure, but I believe it turned out that like, he was also like taking money from the theater and like, mm-hmm. there was just a lot of shady shit going on. And on top of that, there would be stand-up shows and they weren't paying comedians, but like Mm -hmm. they were ticketed events, right? Like people bought tickets, people bought drinks. I think they would just give comedians like two drink tickets. And it's like in new Orleans, especially like, cause here in New York, there's a huge pool of both shows and producers and comedians, right? Like the competition is like, there's so, there's so much. So sometimes here you do have to like add a, for a long time, you have to like swallow a lot of bullshit. Um, but in New Orleans, it's like there were no clubs, like everything was comedian run. So there was like a lot of a lot more respect for each other, I think. And a lot more of like passing around the hat after a show for a free show, making sure everybody mm-hmm. got a little bit of money in their pocket. Um, and I totally unprompted just like made a Facebook post that was just like, fuck this 
theater, like they're not paying comedians. Hey, New Orleans comedians, like you don't need to do this shit. Like you're better than that. Don't perform here. And just, I mean, I really just like lit the match and threw it behind me. (laughs) And like the guy who ran it got very mad, understandably so. I mean, he's still a dick. He's still a piece of shit. But also like, what was I really, like if I really wanted to accomplish that, if I really wanted to like make it so that people didn't, perform there anymore that was not the way to go about it you don't think because i think that might kind of be i mean i don't think i moved the needle for anybody i don't think anybody who was performing there saw that and was like no not anymore Mm, okay i think i think sometimes those posts do work in that way though i think there was a way to make that post work of like Mm. hey comedian hey new orleans comedians like what is it like? What are you looking for when you perform? What do you prioritize? Are you cool with just any stage time at all? Or is it maybe worth it to think about like, what are you getting in return? What venues do you feel like exemplify that? Like, like there was a, there was a better way to do it. Yeah. It wasn't so funny. Messy or roasty. It's so funny when it's like, not me. I'm like, totally on your side. (laughs) I'm like, no, dude, that sounds right. Especially because that is such a commonly adapted way of hand. That's not a unique kind of post. Now people all the time flame specific comedians, theaters, whatever. But again, it is that thing of like, just because you're right, doesn't mean this is the right way to do it. Mm -hmm. But then do we get into tone policing? Which is very fucking, or do we get into this like, really? Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, It's just, you are telling someone that they're saying, they're saying something in the wrong way. I think it might even be whether you agree with it or not. So you might still be thinking, I don't agree with what they're saying, but either way, they're saying it in the wrong way. But it definitely means it, it it basically means like keep it down, mm. phrase this phrase this more tactfully, and it will come as no surprise to you that this is very frequently a thing that Rachel, white people yeah. <laughs> do to black people or Latin people or whatever. Right, right, right. And so you know, to what extent are we saying, oh, because I do agree with you. I think it's I think it's. It is just a fine line. It's both things. Yeah, that's fair. Yes, there are more effective ways of saying some things. And also, sometimes, especially white people, need to fucking chill out and not prioritize civility over everything. Because that's how we get both sides in shit. Totally. No, when somebody's like, that protest was rude. (laughs) It's like, well, it's a protest, right? Like, it should be. Um, I, I think... I think that just for this situation that I, by the way, again, fully just put myself in. (laughs) Sure, 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 sure. There were better people to do it. um, And there, there was a more organized way to do it. Right. I just went full scorched earth on my, on my own. I didn't, ask like people who were in at that theater like hey how do you feel about this (laughs) yeah 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 that is where yeah I was truly just like I've had this experience and one of my friends had this experience so fuck them they're evil and like they were evil for different reasons including Mm -hmm. that but um 
there yeah it, it's it's again it's just that thing of like you can be right but what's your goal right and and i think we should also say i don't think it's a um a coincidence that both of these are improv related things because when you build your entire (laughs) MO around the concept of yes. And which is essentially a lack of consent, a, 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 a a permanent consent to whatever happens, there's going to be some abuse. Wow. Yeah. I've never thought about that, but yes, improv, you are not allowed to say no. Oh dude. I, there's a, a guy I really respect. Um, the closest thing I have to a to a home theater here is the Annoyance Theater, um, and 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 I don't love to side with institutions, but it, it, you know I'm I'm very the, the, the Annoyance does a lot of things the right way. So so I would be, um, yeah. Anyway, the they have a a newsletter that they release. It, once a month and where they talk about their classes and stuff, but it always starts with a letter. And one of their teachers who is a good friend of mine, Jimmy Pennington, uh, a lot of people's favorite teacher because he, um, because he uh, is kind of hard. Like he's kind of a hard ass. And so people love that, you know, they're like, yeah, he was like tough, but fair, you know, but he talked about that very thing. Cause he's moving and he was like, you know, you don't owe anyone anything, basically, just like be true to what you're learning. And here's why I love the annoyance. And also, fuck yes, and talk to any mm-hmm. woman between the years of, you know, I, I mean, certainly when I started doing improv 2008 to 2013, and ask them the notes they got when they refused to kiss a person who had been their boyfriend in a scene, you know? And it's like, that is fucking real, dude. That shit of just like, yeah. Or, or, and it, and it ingrained deep in my mind where it's like, here are the clothes that are supposed to be worn on stage. Um, Don't draw too much attention to yourself, especially for women, be like more masculine, be like asexual, you know, performing like a woman performing pregnant, like, don't you're making us worry about you uh-huh. on stage. And I like thought some of those things too, you know? Yeah. So it's just like, anyway, well, they, and it's like, it's like saying, like say no to your discomfort, right? Like that's the only, like, like you're supposed to be, I feel like a lot of acting stuff, not just improv, but acting in general is like telling people like you're supposed to be uncomfortable or like mm-hmm, ask yourself mm-hmm. why you're, why you're uncomfortable and go there, go, go deeper into it. And it's like, well, what if I'm uncomfortable? Because like, this scene calls for somebody like kissing me and I don't want to be kissed. Like, right. Cause and I have that's why there autonomy. are intimacy coordinators now right. and stuff like that. I mean, the thing when I teach the, cl- and I teaching mostly writing, not even like performance, but like when I teach, I'm telling people a, that I'm not a therapist. So like, this isn't just a place to necessarily like, <laughs> pour, like pour out everything, but that I want them to be uncomfortable artistically sure but not as people uh-huh. you know and I think and and that's not perfect but it's the closest I've found to a a, a way of saying like yeah there you are it is good to be uncomfortable and to stretch yourself and to face something that's a little hard to write about but if you haven't resolved it in your fucking life 
then yeah, maybe creating a one man show about it isn't the move just because that seems to be what everyone else's one person right. show is about. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, and to bring it back to Survivor, it's like Survivor is about like doing something that's so uncomfortable and like mm-hmm. challenging yourself, right? Like this is the season of Suri, my favorite yes. player. And yes. famously in that first episode, um, she says like, you know, to everybody who's like, the person sitting on the couch like I was that person just sitting on the couch and my message to them is stay on the couch this is so hard (laughs) (laughs) yes which is so good I mean it it is I'm so hesitant to like take actual life lessons from Survivor I'm not (laughs) (laughs) I mean well it's because I'm tempted to so I see that and I'm like I'm like, ooh, this could be a thing. But I'm like, fucking chill out. It's not, you know. But the thing <laughs> that is real. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that is real about it is it, it is. Well, OK. Uh, the reason I one of the reasons I tend to avoid that is because it's not exactly like life. You know, right. like no, of course. in in Survivor, you can't walk away from a situation you don't want to be in necessarily. You have to, and you have to pump people up their egos sometimes even more than you would in life. But the, but the thing that is very applicable here is survivor does make me think about what does it mean to be strategic in a conversation? Mm -hmm. You know, even, even not even in a nefarious way, just like, what does it mean to, if I'm if I'm kind of curious about one thing a person's saying, but most of what they're saying is boring and annoying, and I just want to be done with it, am I going to follow my curiosity enough just to be like, hey, what's that podcast, about? Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Can I add, okay, so I think like this moment with the Blackberry very much feels like Shane substituting, you know, he's he's in withdrawal still, I assume. Um, mm-hmm. he, he is, he has, he's using this coping mechanism, whether it's right. to deal with his boredom or to deal with his addiction or whatever. Was there something that you used to take the place of like drinking and drug? Like, did you have like, besides phone calls, like, did you have a coping mechanism? Like anytime you felt like drinking, like you do this instead. Mm, I mean, that's mostly what the call okay. is for. Did you get heavily into like a hobby or whatever yeah um so i picked up a hobby that involved eating a lot of peanut butter m&ms that's like a big hobby (laughs) 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 but uh and also i do want to say you know as we're like nearing like at 55 minutes in i do want to say that just because i went to the meetings like I don't give a shit if people go to the meetings, you know, or, or whatever. There's all sorts of ways to do it. I'm not like representative or, or evangelistic, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's, you're given healthy and unhealthy coping mechanisms because the model of addiction that I, that has worked for me in terms of keeping me sober, the model of addiction that I subscribe to is that, if you're pr- it, you're not really an alcoholic or an addict if you just like to drink. Mm-hmm. Like if you just drink too much, there's plenty of people who drink too much 
And the solution for them is to just stop drinking so much. Right. And they do. And it works for them. Yeah. The reason that doesn't work for me is it turns out I don't like drinking or using because I just like it. I like it because I want my brain to be off. I want to quiet that fucking screaming jaywalker in my mind. Mm -hmm. And that's a different thing. So these coping mechanisms are necessary. Um, Again, all just my experience, not generalizing. But um, I think – so I don't – but I did – I did eat a lot of sugar. I did go to a lot of meetings, made a lot of phone calls. So, you know, some healthy stuff. I did – there's a little bit of like written homework in the program, kind of like inventorying like the shit that makes you want to be a screaming jaywalker, you know, like why do I hate this person? Why do I hate this institution? You know, and you go through this sort of like spreadsheet of like, okay, here's the institution. Here's why I hate them. Here's what it affects in my life. Like it affects my sense of myself as a competent worker or Mm -hmm. it affects my romantic relationships or whatever. And then the final column is where everything changes and it says my part. So if you, if, if, if you cheated, if, if you slept with a guy's wife and this is, it's all very like the book is the, the program book is very like, it's written in the thirties, you know? So it's very like <laughs> heteronormative or whatever. But if you sleep with a guy's wife and he steals your car, it's also written like, like if you found yourself courting another man's yeah, lady, it has a transatlantic <laughs> accent for sure. But so it's like, if you sleep with a guy's wife and he steals your car, you're sure he stole your car. Like that sucks. But like, if the reason he did it is because you slept with his wife, you have to admit that even if it's 1% uh-huh. of the situation, you did something. You know, or let's take it something even more mundane. You send an email and there's just one phrase you could have cut out, but it just cuts just deep enough that that someone might not even notice it. But then you get an email response that's all in response to that phrase and they're reaming you and they're just angry and you're rightfully upset about this response you got. But you got to admit, well, I did say per my last email or whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? following (laughs) up. Yeah, yeah. So those things are so so those are coping mechanisms, but what's also funny, I ju- you just reminded me is I did smoke for 3 months. Mm. Um so that was a coping crack? mechanism as well. Smoked crack. Yeah. And but just for 3 months. Just for 3 months. And, it helps you stop uh-huh. drinking. Exactly. You got to replace and, the habit. Whatever's gonna kill you fastest, and crack <laughs> crack was uh, an anxiety reliever. Um, speaking of which, do you do you have in front of you the story about them finding about Shane and them finding cocaine? Uh, I do, I do. Let me let me get it. Um, I'm, I, this is like, I think 
deep Survivor fans probably know this, but if you are a casual Survivor fan who just watches the show and then moves on with your life, which like, what is that? Um, mm-hmm. This is a fun story. <laughs> so this is from Shane's quarantine questionnaire, which is what Entertainment Weekly sent to a bunch of former Survivor players. And the question was, what's something that will blow fans' minds that happened out there in your season but never made it to TV? And Shane says, Aris and I were showering at the beach and a kilo of cocaine washed up at my feet. (laughs) I ran into the woods with it and was going to bury it and think about what could be done with it. I was never a fan of cocaine in my personal life, as I always considered using cocaine when you drank was, quote, cheating. Soak that in for a bit. I mean, and and I'll just say that's like very like addicty thinking. It's like, oh well, the cocaine allows you to stay drinking more, so you can be <laughs> drinking more. Um, and then he says, but I had thoughts of maybe rubbing it on our gums before challenges to give us energy. That idea was quickly squashed. Production was on me pretty quickly. I'm trying to imagine the radio call on that. Uh, someone, anyone from senior production, Saint Shane has a kilo of Coke on him and is running to the woods. Any thoughts on what to do? That's, I love that story so much. That's really amazing. I love that Shane was the one who found it. I love that yeah. immediately he was like, we have to bury this and figure out what to do. <laughs> yeah. That's it's his so immunity good. idol. Oh yeah, totally. That's so funny. It would have been, I, I mean, mean, it would have been fascinating to see what these starving people, like, suddenly you'd be like, this episode's off the rails, huh? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I mean, they, yeah, it would be amazing. It would be a literal performance enhancing drug, yeah, maybe. Absolutely. Yeah, I thought, um, I thought that was, I also thought that was awesome. You know, nature. Provides. What? Nature provides. Nature, yes. Nature does provide. I'm uh, feeling like there was something, there were other points I was going to make, maybe about Survivor being, teaching you lessons, something about him using the phone to connect with people, but it's like all yeah. escaping me now. Well, maybe we'll, we might have another Shane episode in the future and maybe it'll come up then because he's got some great moments yeah Uh, this whole this whole season has great moments um i guess just remember if you're listening like these are this is not advice um don't do anything the way that we've done it except for canceling an improv theater yeah (laughs) like if you think this advice this is advice probably stop listening like if you listen to this and you think like this is advice like (laughs) listen i'm in episode two and i'm here to tell you uh, if you misunderstand any detail of this you should where i already want to alienate potential listeners um so thanks for listening uh yes (laughs) thank you for listening um we'll we'll be back with more of your favorite survivor moments and if you haven't watched survivor highly recommend it uh but let's be honest more of our favorite survivor moments. Our favorite survivor moments. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know who you are. I don't care what your favorite survivor <laughs> moments are. What's your what's your handle? It's Ariel uh, underscore comedy. Yes, exactly. Hell and yeah. What's your handle? I don't know it. This is Dave Marr, and you can listen to my podcast. This is your afterlife. That's um 
That's good. That's all. That's great. It's just a good, this is another good podcast. Perfect. All right. Sick fucking. Yeah. I wish I had a clever Blackberry ending moment. Oh, you know what it is? And check mark. Yeah. <laughs> 